on um, other retreats, other occasions and situations. I've <clears throat> talked a lot about uh, working with emotions skillfully, different possibilities for um, a meditator to work well with their emotional life. Uh, both the lovely, beautiful, positive emotions, if you like, and the more difficult ones. And it seems to me that's a really important part of our practice uh, in general. <clears throat> um, tonight I just want to talk about emotions really um, just enough or in the context of imaginal practice, so as much as that interfaces with our explorations for this retreat, this course. Particularly what I want to go into is the um, interface, the nexus, if you like, of um, emotion, energy, and image. <clears throat> so we've been talking about energy body and uh, a little bit about how emotions can be reflected there. So I want to go into that more and look at this uh, relationship between emotion, energy, and image, and also view, because that's always an inescapable factor. Uh, so the nexus really of energy, emotion, image, and view. <clears throat> Uh, but before we do that, because it's relevant, just a little bit of recap um, from earlier. So we said that we could say that there are three modes, if you like, of the mindfulness of the body. Um, we're particularly interested um, on this retreat of developing the sensitivity to what I call the third mode, the energy body, really developing over time, gradually, the sensitivity to the energy body and the sense of the body that way energetically. Some people, I have a friend, a close friend, and she knows much more about anatomy than me. So when she is sensitive to her energy body and the way emotions and energies are manifesting and reflected there, um, she always ties it in, or it seems to me she quite often ties it in with precise anatomy. Oh, my ovaries feel this, or my um, epiglottis, or whatever it is. I myself don't know very much about anatomy at all, um, but I want to say, uh, don't worry about that. It's really not necessary. Um, it's fine if you do, but it's not necessary for what we're doing for this retreat. So we can give attention to a quality of energy somewhere in the energy body or the breath, the feeling of the breath, energy somewhere in the energy body um, or an emotion manifesting. And we're kind of not sure, is that around my mouth or is that my chest or my throat? Sometimes things um, get a little amorphous and blurred and it doesn't matter. So it's not necessary to tie it in, to correlate it with, a, with an actual um anatomical, physical structure in the body. Um, a lot of the time, um, the energy body is quite an amorphous field, uh, filled with awareness. And that could be just a space, as we said, just a sort of space a little bit around the body and including that whole space. Or it could have more contours uh, similar to the physical body. <clears throat> 
And this, we said, this energy body is an experience. It's not something to believe. It's not a hypothesis. We're just talking about an experience and talking about a kind of experience, a texture of experience, a way of paying attention. Um, and we're talking about it with, with the term energy body. And we said, why? Why would we do that? Partly because uh, it's a way into this quality of samadhi that we want to cultivate as a, as a journey in our practice. Um, just developing more and more this spectrum, this range of possibilities for the ways that the being can feel the, the mind and the body, the energy body cultivating the well-being, the harmonization, etc., uh, the energy, the restfulness there, the bright, brightness, the alignment of the energies, because that forms a huge resource, that becomes a huge wellspring for us, not just for our practice in all kinds of ways, but for our whole life. So that's one reason for developing the sensitivity to the energy body. And the second reason, as I've alluded to, is, is that in developing sensitivity to the energy body, we develop naturally, a, 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 we increase our sensitivity with respect to our emotions and also with respect to imaginal practice and the images that come. So that the, the energy body forms uh, an instrument, if you like. It becomes quite a, a subtle instrument and powerful instrument for working with emotions and for um, uh, sensitivity and navigating uh, through images and with images, navigating the practice. So these these are some of the reasons why we want to develop this sensitivity to the energy body. But notice something, because implied there is that we're not always trying, or we're not trying always to um, be in the samadhi mode of tending to a sort of pleasantness and openness of energy, etc. We're not aiming to always be in some state of um, pleasant, well-being, open, harmonized energy. <clears throat> A, I think that's probably relatively impossible. And B, for something to be a resource, for the samadhi and the well-being of that to be a resource, a deep, uh, powerful, potent resource in our life, it's not that it needs to be there all the time, absolutely not. It needs to be there often enough, often enough that we can uh, have access to it, dip in and out of it, not always. Okay, it's quite different, and often enough will form uh, and create a very deep and nourishing resource for us in our lives. And out of that, freedom comes and the ability to let go of what we need to let go of in life much more easily, many other benefits, many other um, gifts of that resource. So that in terms of practice, we have different intentions or uh, intended directions at different times. Sometimes we're cultivating the samadhi, we're working gently, playfully at tending to this well-being and the, 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 the pleasantness or comfort of the energy body. And other times we're doing something different and it's conscious and we're moving flexibly between those different intentions at different times. We also mentioned that at times... <clears throat> or rather often, the awareness will shrink. So we're working with this middle size of attention, this sort of body size, a little bit bigger than the body, and it will shrink many, many times the awareness. 
it will shrink when we're beset or troubled by an afflictive emotion. It will shrink uh, when there is pain or discomfort somewhere in the body. It will shrink when we are distracted by something or caught in thought, when the mind is caught in thought. All of those, the afflictive emotion, the pain and discomfort, the, 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 the being caught in thought, all of those involve clinging or craving or aversion to a significant enough degree, uh, relatively gross actually, on the scale of things. Um, and that's, um, that goes with the shrinking of the attention. And sometimes uh, the awareness just shrinks out of habit. Uh, it's, it's, it's habitual, unfortunately, for us to, to have a more contracted attention. <clears throat> but we can change that habit through practice and have available to us just different sizes of attention, like different gears in a car, which we can use at different times. They're uh, available for us, accessible for us, as part of the resource of um, a meditatively trained uh, mind and heart. But we will see that the awareness shrinks uh, many times, and we want to just recognize when it has. What does that feel like? Recognize it's shrunk, and over and over, just stretch it again, expand it again to just a little bit bigger than, than, than the body, the physical body. And then filling that space with this bright sensitivity, as we talked about. So regarding the um, direction, the intended direction of samatha at times is very creative of samadhi, excuse me, um, is very uh, creative, very playful. Really anything goes that helps you get in touch with that energy body and just helps to kind of shape it or, or open it up to something that feels comfortable, easeful, nice, relatively pleasant, maybe quite pleasant. Anything goes. And we talk about just hanging out with the, with the more open space of the energy body. Sometimes just that. You start to realize, oh, in a very subtle way, it's actually quite pleasant. I hadn't even noticed that before. But through the style of attention and the openness, it's like, oh, there's some uh, vaguely pleasant energy in that that I can tune into and just hang out in. Or there's different ways of working with the breath as we went through, um, either tuning in to the expansion and contraction of the whole energy body space, or the sense of energization, relaxation with the in and the out breath, or uh, imagining the breath centered and expanding from some center in the body, the heart center, throat center, head center, belly center, could be anywhere actually. Um, imagining that but then really feeling the energetic quality of that and the effect of that on the energy body space or imagining the breath coming in and out of certain centers again could be anywhere top of the head uh, down in the belly perineum if you're standing up you can breathe up through the feet into the whole body and with that experimenting with what kind of breath how do I want, how does this breath want to be when it's coming in and out there or when it's centered there? So imagining, but really feeling as well the energetic uh, sense. And then there's also the possibility of n not necessarily using the breath or maybe combining it with the breath, but using the uh, imagination a little more actively. And for instance, um, imagining certain lines of energy perhaps up the body, up the body and out the legs, and these straight lines of energy perhaps extending 
further down or up and that can be very very helpful quite subtle but very helpful or imagining a cloud of light the body as a cloud of light energy or actually a contoured body of light um, so really uh, and then there's all the possibilities of playing with meta that we talked about etc and uh, many, many possibilities. Anything goes, but the intention for the samatha, the directionality, is really for to, to gently cultivate, gently tend to a sense of well-being of the energy body. And eventually seeing if that sense of well-being can actually spread and permeate, as the awareness does, the whole space. We also mentioned, of course, sometimes there's going to be not so much a sense of well-being, but rather there's going to be pain and discomfort in the body. And then we ran through certain possibilities, which will, let's just repeat them now. Um, recap. So the awareness shrinks when there's pain and discomfort in the body very naturally. So just opening it out can help. Just open out that shrunken awareness. Stretch it again over the whole space. Very helpful. We can gently... Um, direct the attention or rather sit it, sit the awareness, center it more where there's an okayness somewhere, where there's some degree of comfort rather than getting dragged in to the pain or the discomfort. The attention is often dragged in or away in distraction. What if we just put it somewhere, rest it somewhere where it feels relatively okay? We can imagine the breath or the breath energy um, moving freely, unobstructedly through that place of uh, pain, discomfort, blocked energy or whatever. We can imagine the breath or the, or the energy um, coming in and out of the area of pain or discomfort. Also very helpful. We can imagine the metta uh, originating from the very center of the area of discomfort. Very counterintuitive, but sometimes very helpful. Or the meta flowing into that point. We can also mention, we can also uh, imagine a, a, a light, a bright light, uh, centered at the, the, the discomfort and the pain and include the whole body so the light is radiating through the body from that point and the whole body again is in the awareness and then we also said uh, you can we can bring a kind of light and steady attention uh, to the discomfort to the pain wherever it is uh, within the whole body awareness a lot within a sort of background awareness of the whole body, bring a light, steady attention to the discomfort and really allow it to be uncomfortable. Fully allow. The emphasis is all on the allowing, moment to moment, allowing it to be what it is. It's this moment of unpleasantness. Then another, really opening, really welcoming uh, the unpleasantness. Very, very skillful uh, way of attending. And we can also use uh, the imagination to put the discomfort uh, in the body in connection with uh, some uh, sense of comfort or well-being or pleasure. So for instance, we might have, as I mentioned, an area that feels uncomfortable. Um, but we can tap in and realize the rest of the body or around that, actually, it feels quite nice. There's quite a, a sense of softness or warmth or well-being or openness. And we can surround that discomfort uh, 
it with something uh, more comfortable and almost like holding it or cradling it. But what's important here is the connection that the, what is uncomfortable is placed in connection with something that's comfortable, with something that's um, warm and soft and uh, uh, has more well-being in it. And perhaps that more comfortable energy, the softer, warmer energies can sort of lap against, like gentle waves, perhaps in a lake, uh, lapping against a jagged rock, uh, and just lapping and lapping. Perhaps that's the breath. And the breath can feel uh, at times itself quite soft or gentle or soothing or pleasant or healing. And that energy quality of the breath perhaps is like a gen- like gentle waves lapping against what's uncomfortable. Sometimes we can even just imagine that there's a sort of channel between an area of discomfort and an area where it's more comfortable and more okay. So, for example, I think I mentioned um, this morning, we could feel tight and uncomfortable in the throat, but the belly feels relatively okay. Well, just imagine that there's a channel connecting those two areas. Just don't do anything else, but just imagine that they're connected with a channel. And that's all. And just see what happens. And just see what happens. We're putting something that's difficult in contact with something that's healing. You could view it that way. Or, again, similar to what we said before, the pleasantness, the comfort, what is relatively okay or warm or soft can kind of wave through what's uncomfortable. But again, always the playfulness, always the experimenting. There's so many uh, possibilities here and possibilities for creativity and playfulness. And if there's pleasantness somewhere, if there's a sense of well-being that doesn't um, disappear after a second or two or is really around for some minutes, then um, can we focus on that, really include it, um, give it some attention, perhaps enter into it even with the attention, probe it with the attention, really finding the pleasure there and the enjoyment. Or can we open up to it? It's like opening the whole body to this pleasant energy. Or dissolve in it somehow, or dissolve it through the body. But really we're relishing and enjoying, and the emphasis on allowing oneself, and really the encouragement is to allow oneself to enjoy what feels good in the energy body. Even if it's unremarkable, even if it's subtle, uh, subtly pleasant, and not, doesn't seem much of a big deal. If it's more uh, steady for some minutes, really want to include that enjoyment and actually kind of prioritize it. And in relation to all this, in relation to this direction, this intended direction of the samadhi, of the cultivating of the well-being in the energy body, attending to the well-being, we don't have to um, necessarily make it some ego thing where we're measuring how well am I doing at this thing called samadhi, am I succeeding, am I a great meditator or not. We don't have to uh, kind of create an inner critic around all this. It all depends on the attitude. You know, if you were um, feeling maybe not so well one day, and I think, oh, I've got backache or whatever, and I need to rest, I'm really tired. And maybe you arrange uh, a bunch of pillows and cushions on a sofa or on your bed, and just just arranging them just right so you feel comfortable, so it's restful, so it's easeful. 
it's unlikely that your inner critic or ego is going to make a big deal out of that. It's just a gesture of kindness. It's just arranging things, playing with the movement of pillar. That doesn't quite work. Let's move it down. Ah, that's better. Not, it's, it's just that movement of kindness or a similar situation, you're feeling tired or a lot of tension or whatever and you decide to run a bath and put all your oils or whatever uh, you like in, in the bath. Um, similarly, it's not a big thing for the ego to get involved with. We don't tend to measure ourselves. It's purely kindness. What do I like? Oh, a little bit warmer? Okay, let's see what we can do there. Uh, a little bit more of this oil or whatever it is, you know. Uh, so it's really a movement of kindness, and we can be quite creative with it. In that way, quite playful and kind. In that way, it's subverting um, or diverting from the whole involvement with the inner critic and the ego measurement. <clears throat> so in terms of practice possibilities, let's say... Um, Let's delineate a couple of things. So first there is this intention of samadhi. Uh, we've talked about this intention for a direction towards cultivating a sense, tending to a sense, uh, nourishing a sense of well-being just as much as possible in the energy body. So we're attending to the energy body and using the images, for instance, or the breath or whatever, to try very gently, playfully to... Um, to, to, to create and allow uh, a kind of opening of pleasure there and that uh, can increase and we're, we're, we're nourishing that and that's the direction of what we call samadhi. And part of that, sometimes, there will be difficulties that come up, energetic difficulties, emotional difficulties. <clears throat> Within the direction of um, the samadhi intention, then we're responding to the, those difficulties, but trying to sort of smooth them out so that they become more okay, so that what's unpleasant starts to dissolve a little bit and transform into, into, into something more pleasant or more okay and comfortable. So that is this first direction or intended direction that we call samadhi, all of that. <clears throat> now let's introduce another possibility, a second possibility, which is just an attention to the emotions in the energy body as they manifest, as they express or are reflected in the energy body, whether they're difficult emotions or not difficult emotions, pleasant or unpleasant, but the intent, there's just the attention to the emotions in the energy body uh, without the intention to move it towards what's pleasant, to tend towards the sense of well-being and um, uh, comfort, ease, pleasure, etc. Now this attention to the emotions in the energy body, as I mentioned earlier, is part of uh, just developing our emotional awareness uh, in our practice and in our life. Uh, and it's part of also being able to work uh, skillfully with our emotions, with our emotional life and the richness and the range of our emotional life. Actually, if we place that in a bigger context, a bigger picture, um, with respect to uh, our emotional life, our, our emotions, the range of emotions that we have in our life, in our practice, what's a bigger picture? We could say um, maybe it has at least five aspects of what, what are we trying to do as practitioners with our emotions? Where are we going with our emotional life as practitioners? Uh, so 
I would say, maybe we could delineate five aspects. <clears throat> There's probably more, but let's say five for now. Um, the first is just we want to be able to feel our emotions, to be sensitive to our emotions, including all the nuances of that, including the the um, the, the, the more beautiful ones and the more difficult ones. We, we want to be alive and in touch with the, the, the richness and the range and the depth of our heart and the subtleties of our heart, of our emotional heart. So that to me is an important uh, aspect, the sensitivity, the ability to feel. And the second one is that we want to be able to handle, uh, to have the capacity to tolerate, to be with, to be okay with what goes on and comes through our, our heart and our emotionality. So that means both what is difficult, we want to be able to handle what is difficult, and also what is, if you like, positive or beautiful, sometimes intense joy is actually quite difficult for people to handle, not used to it in this culture. Um, so can, can I handle, do I know how to handle, can I develop my capacity to handle what comes through? And in, in our times now, I feel that there's dimensions of this. So can I handle what is purely, so to speak, my personal, uh, my personal emotional life, what's going on for me personally, but globally we are facing such a uh, con conglomeration of crises environmentally and with the climate and resource depletion and um, economic structures failing and all kinds of things that actually there's um, if you like, we could say we're called to hold um, emotions that may be much larger, or rather are developing our capacity to handle what, uh, what may be at times more intense emotions, will, can be, hopefully will be, in the service of the planet. That if I cannot hold those kind of emotions in, uh, in the face of the... Uh, increasing crises we face as a species, then I cannot offer much because I'll own, I'll, I, will, I will run away. I will hide my head in the sand. I will distract myself. I will something or other. So that's the second aspect in the big picture, handling, being able to handle and tolerate. And the third aspect we could say of the big picture regarding emotions is that we are in the business of, as, as practitioners, we're in the business of cultivating uh, beautiful qualities of heart, as the Buddha might say, positive emotions, joy and compassion and love and equanimity and um, appreciation and gratitude and um, all, all, all this uh, beautiful qualities of heart, generosity, um, etc. And that's part of the trajectory, it's part of the path. And complementary to that, we're also in the business of learning to let go of emotions that are not that useful, uh, that are not really that fruitful for us. They don't really lead us where we want to go. Now, this is not the same as letting go of what is unpleasant, because sometimes what's difficult to bear, what it feels a little bit unpleasant, may be fruitful if we can find the right relationship with it. So it's not just differentiating between pleasant, unpleasant, choosing the pleasant over the unpleasant. It's really discerning 
what's what's fruitful, what, uh, as the Buddha might say, leads onwards towards the goal, and uh, and what's not, and learning over time to to kind of defuse, diffuse like a bomb diffusal expert, uh, diffuse what's not useful, while encouraging and cultivating what what is and what's nourishing and helpful to the being. So that's the third. Uh, the fourth is um, regarding our emotions, the big picture of what we want to do with the emotions, is that um, they form actually part of a sensitivity to the emotions, forms part of um, an inclusion of the emotions, forms part of imaginal practice, and actually part of all meditation. So this sensitivity um, is, is very particular when it comes to deepening certain directions in meditation. And the fifth uh, aspect or uh, dimension of what we want to develop is um, with emotions is is uh, we could say an understanding. Now this has um, <clears throat> a couple of aspects to it. We, I want to understand my personal patterns, my personal habits emotionally. What are the kinds of emotion that I keep uh, constructing, fabricating? How do I tend to react to certain situations or perceptions? How does that come arise? How does that arise? Uh, there's a lot to that, but I want to understand my patterns and habits. Um, and more broadly, I want to understand what we could say is the dependent arising of emotions, um, including uh, view. So we'll talk more about this, how emotions arise dependent on all kinds of conditions. I want to understand that. I want to understand what is it, uh, apart from just my personal patterns and habits, what is it that gives rise uh, to an emotion? What is an emotion dependent on? Because partly it's dependent on conception and assumption and view and uh, relationship with, maybe aversion or clinging. So all that's part of it. And that's just the big, that's really talking about the big picture. Here on this retreat, we're really uh, approaching, uh, what we're focusing on is approaching the emotions via the energy body. And this is what I want to talk about tonight um, and tomorrow. So there's, as I said, there's the the, the, the samadhi intention, the, the direction, uh, the intended direction of samadhi, or there's the intention of just paying attention to the emotions as they manifest in the energy body, just hanging out and paying attention to to that ebb and flow and swell and uh, decrease and coming and going. And this kind of attention to the emotions in the energy body needs to be quite sensitive often. We're talking about quite a, a delicate attention. Not always, but often. It, it, it's asking us for quite a delicate attention. It's also asking us to sustain our attention, at least the way I'm talking about it, sustaining the attention on the emotion and the feeling of that, the energy of that in, in the energy body. And what I'm talking about now in this mode of practice, this direction, this intended direction, also includes quite a range. So it includes um, difficult emotions, as we said, and also the, the positive or um, the beautiful, the pleasant emotions. The whole range is, is uh, something we want to include uh, in what we're paying attention to. And it also includes 
the more subtle emotions, subtle negative emotions. For example, boredom is not a big, strong emotion usually. It's quite subtle, but that's part of what I want to give attention to, that emotion and how it, um, or those more subtle, difficult emotions and how they manifest in the energy body. And also the more delicate or subtle positive emotions. So some emotions, for example, um, some kinds of, sometimes a sense of sacredness, for example, can be really quite subtle. Or a sense of prayerfulness can be really quite a delicate emotion. We want to include that. So not just the extremes. We're, we're becoming more sensitive with practice to the, the range of, of our emotional life. Now I'm going to emphasize on this retreat paying attention to the midline, meaning the um, sort of the central line of the body, say somewhere down <clears throat> even below the genitals, actually the perineum and up all the way, often up the front of the body is where a lot of emotions um, often, often, not always, absolutely not always, and later we can expand this, but often a lot of the action emotionally in terms of what's expressed in the energy body happens along this midline, somewhere from the perineum up up to the sort of, uh, well, it can even be the top of the head, but somewhere in the head. So that just a gentle, sustained attention to that midline and what's happening there energetically um, will will. Uh, our emotions will be expressed often along that midline. So that's a good place to start to sustain your attention in this mode of practice. And like I said, it doesn't have to correlate. We don't have to know. Uh, that's That's a certain anatomical point. Sometimes in meditation that all gets a little vague. And it doesn't matter where it actually is anatomically, physically. For, for, for our purposes right now, let's say it doesn't matter. So, regarding any difficult emotion or energy, so that could be a sense of pressure somewhere, perhaps along that middle line, or um, a heaviness, or a sense of contraction or tightness somewhere, could be, like I said, could be the throat or the heart or the belly. Um, could also be just a strange sense of just this area of energy feels kind of foggy, or this area of energy feels subtly like a bit like a swarm of bees in a way that's a bit unpleasant. Some, it can be all, all kinds of things. So any difficulty, let's say, what do we want to do then? Let's be clear. We want to uh, attend to that, keep the attention as much as we can um, in this mode of practice, steadily focused on that uh, feeling, on that energy, wherever it is. Uh, and just if, if it drifts, just come back to that. So here's this pressure in, in my chest or around there in the, on the midline and just attending to it steadily. And then can I see what kind of attention does it need? Because sometimes we can actually laser beam the sensations of, of pressure and, and really look at it with quite a lot of intensity. Um, and sometimes what's asked for, as I said, is much more delicate attention. That is much more like holding those sensations delicately, lightly in the attention. But the attention is steady and there's a sensitivity to discernment. What kind of attention? So that's one aspect. A second aspect at the same time is making sure that there's, so to speak, more energy in the mindfulness than there is in the emotion. 
Because if there's more energy in the emotion than in the awareness, than in the mindfulness, then we're sunk. We're sunk. We're overwhelmed by the emotion. So somehow we want to bring a, a sense of presence to bear. And we, we bring, we, we kind of energize the attention, the mindfulness, so that there's more energy in that than the emotion. Just that balance, that way. That the mindfulness is, if you like, stronger, we could say, than the emotion. That alone is really helpful and really healing. It's something to check. Because sometimes people are mindful and or think they're being mindful, and it, it, there's not enough energy in the mindfulness, and they, they're actually sinking in an emotion. It's not really that helpful. So that's a second aspect. A third aspect, again, this we already mentioned, is that the body space, the energy body, may be, at times, may, may be that it contains a sense of resource in it. And that body space can be around what feels difficult emotionally or energetically. And again, it may lap up in, in the ways that we talk, talked about before just now, lap up against what's difficult or surround it or bathe it or hold it. And this actually is an aspect of kindness, this holding or embracing or connecting of what's difficult with what's uh, more healing and more lovely. But there's often a there is often the, the possibility of some energetic resource in the larger body space that we can um, uh, use as a context and put into contact with what's difficult. So that's an aspect. And the fourth aspect is really um, what I mentioned before, this allowing. If I'm paying attention to what's difficult, um, somewhere in the energy body on that midline, really, really significant is, is and helpful is this, this attitude, this energetic stance in the, in the attention of allowing, moment to moment, as fully, how fully can this sensation which is going to be unpleasant, how fully can it be allowed? The doors of the awareness are opening to it, welcoming it even. And that's moment to moment and really, really helpful. So if you listen carefully to all that, it's quite different than, you know, sort of being with it. I'm sort of being with my emotions. I'm sort of accepting that I kind of feel crappy right now or that I'm miserable or this and that. Um, it's actually much more specific and uh, there's the steadiness involved, there's the sensitivity, and there's certain qualities that are brought to bear and in as much as possible, infusing the awareness. So this is what matters. It's the quality of the attention. The kind and the quality of attention is what matters in relationship to emotional difficulty. That's one of the things that really matters. It, so the, the qualities within the attention will either help or, or actually worsen what's going on. So if there's a little bit of judgment or a little bit of aversion or pushing away just energetically, even without the mind thinking that, it's going to have an effect and, and almost certainly an unhelpful effect. But if there's warmth and gentleness and allowing in, in a, in a uh, more uh, deliberate and intense kind of allowing, not just this vague sort of acceptance, um, this is really what matters. The steadiness, the sensitivity, the quality of attention, the qualities uh, in the attention, the kind of attention. And we could actually 
extrapolate a larger point from that and say that um, mindfulness in general includes, if you like, a kind of question, a sort of subliminal question at times, which is really, is this helpful? So we tend to think of mindfulness as something uh, like it's one word, but actually a lot of different, we can have a lot of different flavors of mindfulness. So really what we're saying is, is this is this right now, this way of attending, this, these qualities of mindfulness that are being brought to bear uh, in, in relationship to this difficulty, is this helpful? So it's a question, because sometimes it's not. And something needs a little bit of reshaping or tweaking or changing. So there's a kind of question being asked with mindfulness. And this goes for uh, whatever we're attending to. But we can play with it. We can play with the kind of attention, the qualities in the attention, attention, etc. And all of that implies as well that, of course, that the relationship with, in this case, an emotional difficulty or an emotion somewhere in the body, um, the relationship with it and the view of it, which I'll come back to much more later about, about, about the view, but the relationship and the view of it are crucially important. That's what makes the difference. And we could actually even say that the relationship with what's going on um, in terms of an emotion, the relationship with the emotion itself and the view of the emotion itself, we could say they're actually included in what we mean by emotion. So it's these things, emotion, relationship with emotion, view of emotion, they, they kind of make one package, one gestalt, if you like. So still with uh, difficulties and working with difficulties that come up emotionally, uh, hindrances, of course, some of you will know this, um, uh, we can include that in what we work with. So especially now I'm talking about hindrances of restlessness and dullness. Um, both of them, uh, dullness and drowsiness and restlessness, both of them r require or are really helped by opening the space of the awareness. Again, it will shrink when there's a hindrance and just opening it up wider again can be really helpful, just, just that alone. Uh, but sometimes even the, the vast space, the third size of attention that we, we talked about, um, opening up the space really large, looking at the sky or having a, a sense of the whole uh, space of the room that you're in, taking that in, imagining a space, really, really helpful because they both, restlessness and dullness, um, are included in those states is, is this contraction of the attention, contraction of the awareness. So being aware of space, opening up a much wider, a wider or a much wider awareness can be really, really helpful. With uh, restlessness, sometimes attention to the out-breath, really helpful because there's this, as we mentioned, organic kind of relaxation that's happening with the out-breath, that goes with the out-breath. And just attending to that quality of relaxation can soothe and calm a bit of restlessness. Conversely, when there's dullness and drowsiness and that hindrance, um, attention to the energizing quality of the in-breath uh, can be really helpful, as also breathing a little longer can energize. And also if there's dullness and drowsiness, sometimes imagining a bright light, perhaps in the middle of your head, perhaps in your heart center, surrounding, permeating the whole body and just staying with that bright white golden light can be really helpful. There's a lot of instructions here. As we mentioned, I'll, I'll, I'll repeat uh, some of these things tomorrow morning, recapitulate. <clears throat>
but let's add a piece here because because uh, we're on an imaginal practice retreat. Actually, deliberately uh, calling and engaging with um, an image that's helpful uh, when there's a difficult emotion going on can be can be really helpful. So, for example, here's some afflictive emotion, and just bringing the image of um, whoever it is that 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 feels helpful. Kuan Yin or Avalokiteshvara or Tara or or maybe a, a teacher that you feel um, really embodies a lot of love or support for you and deliberately bringing that image into the awareness and sustaining it and again putting that uh, putting yourself in contact with that image that beneficent image a benevolent image and putting also the pain the emotional pain uh, in the body in the energy body in relationship to that image so maybe there's a kind of light uh, being beamed or uh, towards you towards the pain all kinds of possibilities but really the deliberately invoking and engaging and staying with sustaining um, a helpful image and sometimes what can happen isn't uh, when there's a difficult emotion is an image arises spontaneously and ends up being very helpful. This can this can be I'm going to talk about this. This can be uh, uh, was very significant for our purposes and can can be surprisingly helpful. And it's interesting to kind of explore a little bit how is it that these images, whether they're deliberate or spontaneous, are how do they help when there's a difficult emotion? One of the ways they help, and perhaps uh, what some people would think would be the most obvious, is that, as I mentioned, that there can be love from the image. And sometimes it's not a classical uh, imaginal figure of love. It's not Jesus or Kuan Yin or something. It's some other image that we don't tend to immediately associate with love. But yet there is love from that image that we feel imbuing us, imbuing the body, touching uh, the emotional pain, uh, somehow healing us. And this love has a very gradual effect and can um, address, heal, dissolve the emotional difficulty. That's very, very possible and very healing. And yet, sometimes what happens is an image appears and it has an immediate effect. It's sudden. And what's happening there is it, the, the healing effect or the, the dissolving of the, the, the difficult emotion is not coming because of love. Something else is going on. And, uh, and this, is, uh, this is very, very interesting in terms of imaginal practice. All kinds of examples one can give. <clears throat> Um, actually, so to give one example of a spontaneous image, I'm going to, I'm going to actually read you a letter. Uh, not too, some months ago, it was written to me uh, a note, really a long note from someone who was on a personal retreat here, and I'm going to read the whole letter just because almost every word is relevant to uh, to everything that we're talking about through the through the course of this retreat. Um, so, hi, Rob. I wouldn't normally write such a long note, but I'm not sure I could share this new image in an interview and still look you in the eye. So even that's relevant, because sometimes images like this, we feel, oh, this is so weird. Well, I'll explain what she's going to say. And we feel this is so weird, and I just want to normalize it partly and normalize also the, the sense of reticence there. So... 
I've been noticing at points when I'm walking through the house and even in the garden, a sensation of being kissed hard on the mouth. Seemed a bit strange, but I didn't really think any more about it. Then yesterday, after you said that the samadhi practice has a different intention of following and building pleasure in the body, as we've talked about uh, today and yesterday, um, I decided to do a few sits to see what happened. I was doing all the normal breathing with the body when I had the sensation of being licked from the hara, the, the lower belly center, all the way up the front of the body. To say that my entire body split in half with pleasure would be a huge understatement. My body started to shake. I sat for an hour and a half and there were many images of skin on skin but not a full image. By which she means uh, uh, either full body or full visual image, I, I suspect. Since then, I've had the same visits of this intense sexual body energy on three other sits. Last night for an hour and a half, at four o'clock in the morning for another hour, and just now. On this last sit, the image seemed to coalesce. I was having some very intense back pain and was working with the allowing practice, but didn't seem to have the strength to welcome it. At which point, a woman started to kiss the area of pain like it was a mouth, and any pain in my body seemed to give her and me ecstatic pleasure. There are visual elements of this image, but it is largely kinesthetic, and it feels like the body in these encounters becomes a sexual organ, the whole thing, and the image is wrapped up in the breath energy that rubs against the body. So many of the images you describe in your talks are functioning in a healing capacity. I definitely feel intensely nourished by this energy, but wondered if there was quite a large danger of becoming attached to this in a negative way. So part of my response to her in a note was that, uh, no, there isn't really a danger, and she should keep opening to it and enjoying it. Well, there's not much of a danger, but that way. <laughs> Uh, she goes on, I just want to make it clear that this wasn't a head fantasy. It is completely in the body. Is it okay to keep working with it? And if so, are there dangers or directions you wouldn't go in? If you are busy at the moment, feel free to respond to this at a later time in an email. It definitely isn't distressing me, but since I've never had an experience like this, I'm having trouble integrating it. Uh, but really, the integration that she felt she was having trouble with was really just having permission, uh, recognizing that it wasn't crazy, and uh, having permission to open it, to allow it, to call on it more deliberately at times, and, and naturally integrated um, into the body and the experience of the energy body and the samadhi, the sense of harmonization, alignment, energization, pleasure, in this case quite strong pleasure, um, uh, arose naturally and organically from the image. And this kind of thing is a lot less rare than uh, you might, uh, many people might expect. <clears throat> a different example, another person who has a uh, chronic liver uh, uh, condition, ailment, uh, inflammation of the liver, and so was sitting again on a, on a retreat one day uh, in meditation and um, uh, there was this pain in, in the liver area and uh, the image of a lion. Now this image of a lion was an image that she'd had before quite a few times. So this 
this imaginal figure was quite a friend to her. Um, and th this lion came. Usually it had a lot of power uh, to it, as lions sometimes do, and, and started to lick her liver, to lick that area of the body with, uh, with a lot of tenderness. But it was also, in her words, there was something awesome and majestic about this huge lion licking her liver. And this went on, she said, in the meditation. She was just with this for 20 minutes, and it felt incredibly healing. And as that went on, the... Um, whole energy body began to align and open and again the, the well-being started to open the samadhi started to open the harmonization of the energy body came more and more so what started with quite a difficult uh, in this case not so much an emotion but a physical affliction um, through the image was uh, transformed gradually gradually through the love and through the the uh, tangibility energetic tangibility of the image transformed and samadhi uh, came out of that and sometimes the love that comes through an image uh, may feel um, bigger than the body bigger than our body it's as if a, an imaginal figure or some image creates or opens up a huge space of love bigger than the body and then we can literally allow ourselves to feel in love literally in love in a space of love and perhaps then open to that space or feel the whole body the whole energy body bathed in that love so images can transform um, emotions that are occurring and can transform the energy and this happens a lot and uh, can also arise when there's no difficulty. So there's examples when people were struggling with this or that, um, but also when there's no difficulty. So some time ago I was teaching a weekend retreat. Actually, it was uh, Samadhi was the theme, and people were working with the breath and the kind of things, the energy body that we were talking about. And uh, a person reported to me she was she was really enjoying it, was feeling very calm, and she said there's a delicious sense of divinity um, permeating uh, the energy body and and the whole space um, through the practice. She was just with that, and then actually it felt like this. Um, feeling uh, this delicious sense of divinity in her words became personified in uh, the figure of Ramana Maharshi as a great uh, Indian sage and saint from, from the 20th century I think he died in the 50s and for her it was a very she had a very strong uh, heart connection with this, with this teacher um, so this delicious sense of divinity became personified as an image of Ramana Harshi and the top of her head felt like it opened and in descended this figure of Ramana was kind of absorbed into her body, into her being through the top of the head. And with that, uh, an, an, uh, a great raising of the energy levels. So he, so to speak, entered into the body and the being and much more energy became available. But interestingly, the energy felt, she said, quite lumpy was the word she used. It was actually a bit uncomfortable. So a big um, sort of quantum leap in the energy levels, but it didn't feel that comfortable. It was still kind of lumpy throughout the energy body. So it's like, okay, okay, well, let's, 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 um, let's see if we can smooth this energy out and just work with imagining the flows of the energies. Don't um, jump to conclusions that it's a bad thing or that I'm going to be stuck here or something like that. 
And she said then the awareness, she just allowed her awareness to drop to her belly and really allow the different energies and really gently work at smoothing, smoothing them out. Very, very skillful um, uh, working in practice there. So, regarding um, difficult energy uh, in the energy body, we have some options. And again, options is a key word. We are complex. And uh, there's, uh, we're encouraging flexibility, not just one way of doing things. So one option is, uh, as we mentioned, to gently emphasize uh, uh, or, or place the attention, sit the awareness more where there is um, the, the, the comfort, the sense of comfort and pleasure, if that's available, if, that, if there is somewhere. Another option, though, is to deliberately um, bring to mind and engage with a helpful image. And one can also do that deliberately when there is no difficulty. Um, so the woman whose letter I, I read you, now that's become part of her practice. And it's a way in for, uh, for her to, to samadhi and to the energy opening that way. And other people say a teacher um, that they have a connection to also seems to come as a presence imaginally and perhaps fill their body and it helps everything to open and energize and um, calm and feel good or just comes nearby or something like that and there's a kind of resonance. So even when there's no difficulty or a strong sense of difficulty, we can deliberately use a helpful image as part of what helps. But certainly when there is a difficulty, we can deliberately engage a helpful image, imaginal figure. Okay, so that's the second possibility. The third possibility with difficult energy, difficult emotion, is to focus on or to work with the difficulty of the um, emotion as we explained in the different ways as we explained earlier uh, just now. Now, doing that may be, as I attend, as I take care of the quality of the attention and the, and the, and the steadiness and the sensitivity and the ways of paying attention, it may be that the difficulty um, dissolves gradually as I pay attention in these skillful ways. And it may be that it gets less and it becomes really quite subtle. So maybe it's still there, but it's really, really quite subtle. Now, one option is to actually stay with it as it gets more and more subtle. And it might be, this is really, really good practice, keep, keep uh, the steadiness, the sensitivity, the, the, the qualities of the attention, and let the whole difficulty become more and more subtle as an experience. And stay, track it with, with that subtlety, stay there. Um, and sometimes it, it gets more and more subtle and it actually becomes pleasant. So funnily enough, that can also be a way into, into samadhi. And then, then that pleasantness can spread. It's very interesting. And it's certainly okay if it doesn't um, disappear, the difficulty, or if, uh, if it doesn't become pleasant. No, no problem. We're just focusing on it and working with it in these more skillful ways. That's the third option. And sometimes, um, especially when the uh, focus on the difficulty and the, emo the emotional, the energy that feels difficult is, is a little lighter. It's not so intense. It's just kind of letting it be there. We're in touch with it. We're not so much focusing in on it. Sometimes um, the, uh, 
just being with in that way, an image constellates out of the difficulty, you could say, um, the, uh, the emotional difficulty, and and the difficulty subsides when the image comes, or the energy is transformed. Perhaps the energy in the energy body is opened, or it aligns, or harmonizes, or we just have more energy. I'm going to talk more about all these possibilities tomorrow. Uh, or the emotion is transformed. Very, very possible. So I remember um, <clears throat> one time I was, uh, actually there was something going on uh, in terms of wider Dharma politics. I just read an email and felt um, a bit frustrated with this sort of w wider political situation um, in a certain sangha, certain, something was going on with someone. And I, w I was with that feeling of frustration, but something felt a little bit, I felt a little bit stuck in relationship to, or the energies, let's say, were stuck. That's a better word. I, the, the energies were stuck, and there wasn't a lot of clarity as to what to do or what to respond. So the whole energy body felt a bit stuck. The emotion was frustration. It wasn't very clear. Uh, even the energy itself was not very clear, and it, wasn't, it definitely wasn't pleasant. It was, it was subtly unpleasant. And as I was with this, just gently, without so much focusing in on it, just kind of holding it and aware of it, um, an image suddenly coalesced, and it was liquid, some kind of liquid being poured in through the crown, through, my, through the top of my head. And what was quite interesting was that, I was like, oh, what color does that liquid want to be? I found myself asking. But there wasn't a right color. So the color of the liquid wasn't a significant uh, aspect of the image. I'm mentioning this because it relates to some stuff we're going to talk about uh, another day. But this liquid was being poured in to, to my energy body in the imagination, just by itself it arose. And as it was poured in, clarity came and strength came regarding, if you like, my sense of what's my duty in, in relation to this situation that, that I had felt frustrated by. And um, what am I asked to uh, perhaps continue expressing or uh, not be daunted because um, my expression of uh, doesn't seem uh, understood or accepted or, or whatever. So there was clarity that came and strength. And this feeling um, uh, pervaded the whole body. The liquid pervaded the whole body in the image. And a sense of strength came out. Energetically strength, fortitude, resolve. I felt much, much better. It's quite a subtle example, but... but um, quite telling in a lot of ways. One thing I want to mention is something we've come back to, but I'll mention it now about that image, is that it wasn't clear who was pouring this liquid in. It wasn't me pouring liquid into the top of my head, and it wasn't, so to speak, if in Dharma language, just pouring some, or just being poured. There was some sense of an other, and actually a somehow divine other in some vague uh, way. Some vague sense of an other, a somehow divine other was pouring this liquid into me and down into me. And I want to make a general point, uh, that which I will return to, uh, but with imaginal practice, the sense of otherness, the otherness of the imaginal figure is quite key. It's, it's uh, a key ingredient, this sense of otherness, that, um, in other words, it's not me. Um, and 
this otherness gives uh, vitality to images. It gives a sense of the depth, uh, depth to images and potency, power, a sense of otherness. That's something we'll, we'll come back to. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.